I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's going on, Pittsburgh sports fans? This is Jeff Hartman here with another episode of Back Through the Tunnel. It's your Monday through Friday afternoon podcast, and welcome to another Mullinary Monday. That's right, we're back to work, and Mullinary, Dave Mullinary, is here with me. Dave, how's it going? Oh, not too bad, Jeff, and yourself? I can complain, and I guess maybe it is a little bit of a complaint. We're, at the, we're almost at the precipice of, of sports here. Where you look at like Major League Baseball, we've got the Pirates back at PNC Park. They're going through workouts. It's it's at least something. NHL, man, it seems like this has been a, a, a giant tease as we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And is it this week that we're finally going to have an actual training camp take place in Cranberry for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Well, probably not. Not quite. Uh Originally, the NHL had talked about training camps opening on Friday the 10th, uh, but now, and this certainly is subject to change, it looks like uh, the date to bet on would be Monday the 13th. Oh, great. Uh, Just there have been uh, a lot of negotiations going on between the league and and the Players Association. Uh, You know, pretty much everything pertaining to resuming play uh, for the 2019-20 season uh, to an extension of the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, so they, they've been juggling an awful lot. But as of, uh, as of the time we're uh, recording this, at least, uh, Monday the 13th seems like the, uh, the most likely date for the, the start of camps. Now, they still haven't even given the official that it will be Toronto, that it will be Edmonton, correct? I mean, th- this is all still pending. Am I right? Yes, and I, I believe even those two sites are subject to approval from the Players Association. Uh, you know, at this point, there's no reason to think that uh, there would be any serious objections uh, you know, the, the U.S. has pretty much pandemic its way out of consideration uh, as potential sites for hub cities. So that seems like a foregone conclusion. I, I can't tell you with absolute certainty that the, the yeah. Players Association has to endorse those choices, but I, I can't see the players having any major opposition to it. Okay. Just from your own personal perspective, and you say it all the time, you always mention it, the I'm not the one making decisions. In your, you've been covering this sport for a really long time. Do you think that this is possible? Because there's a lot of skeptics out there that think that even when the NHL returns, training camp, you look at the St. Louis Blues had to shut down their facility. The Tampa Bay Lightning had an issue a few weeks ago. Is this even possible, Dave? I don't want to – I'm not trying to dampen anyone's spirits here on a Monday if you're – 
jacked up for the Penguins to get back on the ice. But at the same time, I just want someone that's been covering this sport for a long time that is talking to those people like Jim Rutherford and when you listen to Mike Sullivan, what's your overall reaction on whether this is feasible to get this done the way that they're projecting to do it in the bubbles, whether it's Toronto, Edmonton, et cetera. What are your thoughts? I think it's possible, but I think it's far from certain that they'll be able to pull it off. Um, I think that, you know, getting to the point where you get teams into the bubbles in the, in the two hub cities, uh, if they can make it that far, their chances will probably be enhanced uh, quite a bit. But I think you're going to see a number of infections, you know, in a number of teams uh, once these training camps get underway, whether it's Friday or Monday or, you know, whenever. Uh, and if there are too many of those, I think it's possible that uh, that the league would just pull the plug on the whole idea. But it's pretty clear that the the league wants to do everything possible to have a shot at salvaging the the broadcasting revenues uh, that are on the line with with staging the the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I think they will go to great lengths to try to resume the season. But certainly there could come a point where it simply is, isn't practical to uh, continue to try to do so. Now, there's been a lot of people, you look at every single sport that is projected to return. You're talking the NHL, you're talking Major League Baseball, you're talking the NBA, and then eventually the NFL, the major four. Every single group, even the NFL, in terms of rumors that we've heard about how they're going to reopen facilities for training camp at the end of the month, They've almost extended the time that they would normally have for a camp. And in the NHL's case, getting back on the ice, because if those infections do happen, they would have time to distance that player. The testing should be good enough. Do you think that's one of the reasons why, for instance, they're going to say they're going to have the majority of July to really get on the ice and to get everyone together? Because if someone does get infected, we, you know, let's say Sidney Crosby gets infected. Well, you don't want Sidney Crosby to miss the playoffs. He would be able to quarantine. You do the two weeks. You're testing everyone else. And then after those two weeks, he should be good to go. Do you think that played into the factor of the entire month of July, or was it strictly based on physical conditioning and getting yourself ready to play the game? I, yeah, I think it's much more the latter. Okay. Uh, I mean, you're, you're talking about guys who, in a lot of cases, until the small groups sessions began last month, hadn't been on the ice since mid-March. Uh, and certainly, you know, they've, uh, contact at, at the very least has been discouraged, uh, to this point. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty physically demanding game. And especially when you get to the point where you're playing for a Stanley cup, which will, uh, will be the case when this season resumes. So I think guys are going to need, uh, two to three weeks, probably more like three weeks uh, just to get physically as prepared as possible for, for the grind that, that's ahead. Last question before our first break. In your opinion, how bad is the hockey going to look when they get back on the ice and actually play? And a follow-up to that is everyone, a lot of fans, especially on Twitter, are really concerned about the ice surface. Uh, being that it's going to be in the July, August, and later, uh, we've always heard, I know at least in Pittsburgh, when the Penguins go into a deep run and win a Stanley Cup, that the ice becomes very rough. 
but how bad is it going to look? Is the product going to be ridiculously subpar than what we're used to seeing? No, frankly, I, I don't think that the, uh, the ice is going to be nearly the factor that, that some people make it out to be, mostly because you're not going to have the body heat from 17 or 18 or 20,000 fans in the building. And I think that makes a huge difference. Uh, the, the venues will be able to essentially seal the, you know, seal the playing surfaces off, uh, keep sunlight and warm air out. Uh, I, I, you know, of all the things that could go wrong uh, in, in the resumption of play, uh, really bad ice, I, I don't think is terribly high up the list. Uh, you know, we'll see. Again, this, this is unprecedented. They're, you know, they don't, they don't play much uh, ultra-competitive hockey in uh, late July and early August and September. But, you know, a, at this point, I, I really think that those concerns might, might be overstated. Are you expecting, though, the overall play, and not, not, not related to the ice surface, the overall play and the quality of play to be really lacking early on? I mean, my goodness, like you said, the players were off for almost three months. Some of them didn't even touch ice or even – lace up their skates during that time. I know that you look at the play at the beginning of the season on a, in a typical year, it takes some time for teams to kind of get acclimated again. It takes time for them to gel again, to become, begin, become that cohesive unit that we're accustomed to seeing. Do you think that these, especially the qualifying round is going to be really ugly from a products, you know, what we're going to see on the television? I think in the, the, the first few games uh, figured to be pretty ragged. Uh, for, for the reasons you cited. Uh, one big difference is that I think you'll see pretty much all players much more focused on playing well in the, uh, you know, the early stages of, of the resumption of play than they normally would in early October, simply because, you know, there, there's a, a greater urgency you know, when you're going into a best of five, your season is on the line series, as opposed to the early stages of an 82-game regular season. Um, you know, there, there are some things that intra-squad scrimmages and, and things like that can't make up for. You're not going to be able to replicate uh, the intensity of, play, intensity of play. But uh, I, I would think that after a game or two, teams should be – you know, getting their games pretty well in order. That's going to be, that's good. I think that's going to be a major factor for the NHL. If they do get to the bubbles, the hubs, whatever people are calling the hub cities, the plays, hopefully the play picks up quickly, like you mentioned, because the, the product on television, everyone's going to want to watch. You hope it's a good product. The NHL is going to have a lot on the line for a lot of different reasons. And when we come back after the break, I'm going to pick Dave's brain on the fact that he's been covering this team for a long time. We'll see what he know, what, what what he says in regards to some of the best that he's ever covered. We'll be back right after this. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. talking Pittsburgh Penguins or NHL hockey. They're gearing up to start their training camps maybe within the week. We'll see. And nothing is definitive as of the time of this being recorded. Dave, you're in the Hockey Hall of Fame. You're, you've been covering the Pittsburgh Penguins since 1983, right before that, that number 66 guy was drafted. Um, I have a couple questions for you, and I hope you'll uh, you know, be willing to share some stories for the listeners out there. When it comes to the best player that you've ever watched play, now this does not have to be the Penguins. This could be anyone. You, you've witnessed a lot of hockey games since 1983. Who would you say is the best player you've ever seen play the game? Uh, it was actually somebody uh, before I started covering. Uh, w- without question, I regard Bobby Orr as the best player I've ever seen. I mean, he revolutionized his position. Uh, If I had a dollar for every time I watched him skate through all five Penguins and score a goal, I would have retired 30 years ago. Uh, He was just such an extraordinary talent. And uh, if he had come along a few decades later when, when arthroscopic knee surgery was a thing he might still be playing he was just such an incredible talent but you know his uh his knees got butchered and uh really cut his career short which was a a a terrible loss for for the sport that's i never would have guessed that you would have gone that direction but that's great now what about players that you've covered you know the, the players within the penguins who's the best player that you felt was the you know the greatest player to ever don a penguin sweater? Uh, that's equally easy. Uh, I mean, that has to be Mario Lemieux. Over to Sidney Crosby? Great, I mean... With all due respect to Crosby, who's, you know, he could start working on his Hall of Fame induction speech today um, and is probably going to go down as, as no worse than one of the 10 best players of all time. I don't think he'd be begins to compare to Lemieux as, as a pure talent. If somehow you could have combined Lemieux's physical tools and instincts with Sidney Crosby's work ethic and commitment, 
uh, you would have had a guy who, who would have rendered Wayne Gretzky obsolete. Nobody would have ever heard of the guy. Um, as I say, none of, none of this is intended to downplay uh, what Crosby has done or what Yaramir Yager did in the 11 years that I covered him, or for that matter, Evgeny Malkin, who's an incredible world-class talent. Uh, Lemieux is just far and away uh, above the rest of the group. Since you're talking about Mario, if Mario didn't have the, the back issues and, and battling cancer, you think that he would have been given Wayne Gretzky a run for his money? I'm not saying he would have passed him, but you look at this, the, the, the overall standings of points, goals, et cetera, you think it would have given him a run for his money? I certainly think it, it wouldn't have been out of the question. And honestly, I don't know how much the cancer factored into that because that really only caused him to miss a part of one season. Okay. The back issues were chronic for him. You know, yeah. that was almost throughout his whole career. And, you know, at one point, uh, he had a 46-game scoring streak, which was five shy of Gretzky's NHL record, that ended one night in Madison Square Garden when Lemieux simply could not move anymore. Yeah. He was almost like a statue on the ice. He was essentially paralyzed by back pain. And... Uh, if he had been able to avoid those back issues, some of which I think were related to his stature, mm -hmm. others of which might well have been uh, related, at least in part, to his lack of commitment to conditioning. I mean, in some ways, he, he was a victim of, of his own extraordinary talent because he didn't have to even work at it to be the best. Uh, he was just so incredibly gifted. If he had had to work, if he had had to put more time into conditioning, you know, perhaps he might have been able to, if not eliminate his back problems, may, maybe lessen the impact of them. Uh, in any case, if, if somehow he had been able to have a healthy career, I wouldn't have been at all surprised to see him finish with numbers or uh, rivaling those of Gretzky. Yeah, it's it's a shame. I mean, I grew up watching Mario, and and when you see some of the highlight reels, I mean, if if you're if someone listening to this that does was not alive for that, or maybe you were born at the very tail end of his career when he came out of retirement, definitely go back, do your do your homework, and it's worth it. Trust me. Now, you've witnessed five Stanley Cups for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Does any one stick out over the other for you? Like, what was the greatest Stanley Cup victory for the Penguins? Oh, probably it would be the first one simply because until that season, they hadn't even won, which was the 1990-91 season. They had never even won a division championship, let alone a Stanley Cup. Uh, this was a, a franchise that was, you know, almost all of its finest moments had come in glorious defeats. Uh, you know, uh, double overtime, playoff losses in, in elimination games, that sort of thing. Uh, so for the franchise to be turned around the way it was that season, I, I think was the uh, probably the most memorable. Now, you know, the, uh, just a year after that, uh, they won a Stanley Cup by stringing together 11 consecutive victories, which tied the league record that had been set by the Chicago team that they swept in the finals. 
or in the final, I should say, uh, that was a pretty remarkable accomplishment in its own right. Uh, really, I mean, anytime you win a cup, you've done something pretty impressive. But yeah, if, if I were forced to choose, just because of all that came before it, I would probably go with, uh, with the first one in 1991. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, winning a Stanley Cup is, is such a it's such a challenge. And you're talking about any time that you hoist the cup over your head. I mean, in every it's crazy how every single season, every single Stanley Cup victory for the Penguins, it just like every year in general, comes with its own storylines, its own challenges, injuries, overcoming adversity. Um, you know, it's it's incredible. I, I always think of 2009. You know, in 2008, they get to the finals with Hosa. They lose to the Red Wings, and it's a, a rematch in 2009, and Hosa's on the Red Wings. There were a lot of storylines in that one. That always sticks out to me. But I, I have a question, and I interviewed Tom Reed, who's the newest member of uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports, and he's our long-form writer. And if you haven't checked out his article or our podcast that published on Friday, please go back and do so. And we were just talking about crazy characters that he's covered. Now, Dave, in terms of the Penguins, think back to all the years that you've cover this team is there any player in general that you're like this guy is always good for a soundbite he's always good for he's a good interview he's a lot of fun to have to interview is there any specific player or players if there's more than one that stick out to you in terms of my gosh I just loved when I got in the room and I could talk to this one guy uh I mean there have been so many good interviews uh interview subjects I should say uh, not nearly as many as there were bad interview subjects, but uh, without singling out an individual, the Penguins teams of the early 90s had a lot of guys who were really big personalities, guys like Kevin Stevens and Alf Samuelson, uh, guys who were very thoughtful interview subjects like Ron Francis and uh, Larry Murphy, who could provide really great insights uh, on just about anything, whether, you know, pertaining to hockey or otherwise. Uh, if, I, if I had to single out one group that was particularly fun to deal with, uh, it would have been those Penguins from, you know, 1990 through maybe 94, I guess, uh, approximately. But uh, yeah, there's certain, almost almost every team, you know, has a guy or two who who stands out as a uh, as a media favorite just because they're uh, cooperative or they have uh, you know good insights or interesting ways of of expressing things. Um, yeah, it's uh, it it can be a lot of fun. Who are the players on this current team that you would say are those media characters that always give good interviews and are always upbeat and, and seem to be loving the interaction with the media? You know, there's probably nobody who I would say loves the, <laughs> the interaction with the media. Okay. Um, it, you know, it's the, the game has changed over the years. Uh, you, you don't have really the personal relationship players that, that you once did. Uh, so I, th I think players tend to be a bit more guarded around reporters now uh, than, than they might have been a few years in the past. Brian Dumlin is a, is a guy who is, you know, always cooperative, uh, pretty insightful, uh, very good to deal with. 
uh, Sidney Crosby talks after almost every game or practice. Uh, so you, you can't get much more cooperative than that. But he, he tends to be kind of guarded in his responses. I think he's probably aware that every syllable that he utters in public is uh, subject to being dissected uh, exactly. both, both yeah. here and in Canada. So he, you know, he, I think he, he tends to try to keep things pretty vanilla. Um, but, you know, uh, hockey players in general are, are, are pretty good to deal with. You're, you're not necessarily going to always get the inflammatory quotes from them, but, but in general, they, you know, they tend to be pretty cooperative and, and understanding of, of the jobs that we have to do. It's great. It's great to hear these stories and, and to, you know, harken back to Mario's days and, and even talking about even as earlier, you know, in the, amongst those five Stanley Cup championships. But, you know, Dave, you've been doing it a long time. I appreciate the stories. Make sure you check out Dave's work on DKPittsburghSports.com. Let's hope that the next time that we talk, we'll actually be talking about hockey. I think I said that last week, and then here we are. We're not talking about this upcoming playoffs. We're still talking about, you know, what could or maybe it will. We're not sure. Let's hope we have something definitive at least by the time we talk next time. Dave, thanks for your time. Remember, if you're listening to this podcast, wherever you're listening, Make sure you follow us. And if you don't know where to find us, you can find us anywhere. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, Anchor, you name it, Overcast, whatever. Find us, follow us. If you're listening on iTunes, give us a five-star rating. Leave us a good comment. We really appreciate it. It helps with our exposure. I will be back tomorrow afternoon with Dale Lolly. We're going to be talking about those pesky Pittsburgh Steelers. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take it easy. Have a good one.